dedicated team of musicians who have been here to help us worship this Christmas weekend. Will y'all say thank you to them? Thank you. And our, our building looks a little bit more, uh, more pretty. It looks prettier. Uh, thanks to Miss Faith and Miss Felisa. And uh, I want to say thank you to y'all for uh, helping decorate our building. Can we say thank you to them? And of course, it's Christmas Day and you could be anywhere else. And there's a lot that pulls on you. And we understand when people are not able to be with us, but we receive you as a gift and we thank you for being with us today. So let's give a warm welcome and thank you to each and every one of us. Uh, join me in another word of prayer. Uh, Lord, as we come this morning, we come, uh, Lord, uh, there's, there's traditions and there are, uh, you know, warm feelings that we have uh, from just our nostalgia in life uh, that is uh, centered around this holiday, which is intended to celebrate you. And Lord, um, what we want to do is take time to make sure that we truly celebrate you this morning. And Lord, uh, we thank you that we have such traditions, such nostalgia uh, that makes this holiday special, Lord. Lord, this time is not just special for those who trust in Jesus, and that's actually kind of a beautiful thing, if we think about it. Uh, my friend today, uh, who has renounced faith in you, says this time always makes her feel sentimental. Thank you that you can use this uh, to remind her of your goodness, God in this hostile world. Uh, so Lord, we celebrate you today. I pray that you will be with us, that we could be a, a, attuned to you. And Lord, uh, just as we go to your word freshly, we read this story that we're so familiar with, might you speak to us today? Uh, maybe, maybe we need a new word today. Give us a new word, a fresh word. Maybe we need to be reminded of an old truth today. Be further established upon that truth. Do that work, Lord. Uh, Lord, maybe today we are just, we've come in so broken, so confused, and we can't even find, well, we don't even know the path forward. And Lord, all you're going to do is set our feet on a path where you will lead us to peace, soundness, serenity, Lord. Uh, God, I would pray that you would at least set us on that path. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would uh, just speak to us, attend to us, Lord. Uh, Lord, we come as people who need to hear from you. Nothing in our hands we bring, as it were. So, Lord, we do ask, you who are the good giver of good gifts, might you give to us what we need today to be fed, to be nourished, to be equipped to continue living as disciples of Jesus Christ. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Uh, over this last few weeks, we've been talking about oh, waiting. And see, Advent is the season leading up to Christmas, leading up to the birth of Jesus, in which uh, you, we are, uh, the church has historically uh, gone back into this shared waiting experience. Uh, the people that we meet in Luke's first couple chapters are all waiting. Zacharias and Elizabeth are waiting for their baby 
boy John who had been promised to them uh, long after they were naturally able to have children. Uh, Mary is waiting for her baby boy who's been promised to her well before she was able to have children. Um, And then we meet Simeon uh, in the temple and Anna in the temple. And and as we looked at last week, these are people who are known for waiting. They are known as the waiting ones, if you will. Uh, They're waiting for the promise. Simeon was promised, you will meet the Christ before you die. They're all waiting. We've acknowledged that waiting is not a uh, happy place, a sympathetic place for us to be. Uh, Waiting uh, is the awful desert, as Henry Nouwen says, the awful desert between where we are and where we want to go. Um, We could say this morning, the wait is over. And in some senses it is. That long wait... For which we, which we read from Isaiah chapter number 9. That long wait is initially over. The first steps have been taken for that, uh, that, that, that land that sat in darkness to receive a great light. And who was that great light? That great light was the babe born in a manger. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. But yet we know that Jesus after he was Born, God incarnate, came in flesh, born, lived, breathed, uh, worked, ministered. Uh, He was sentenced to death unjustly. He was crucified. And on the third day, he rose to new life. He walked with his disciples for 40 more days, and then he ascended. And we should say he was exalted to his throne. He took his throne. But he said, I'm not staying invisible, away from you, disembodied, away from you forever. I will come again unto you. If I go to prepare a place, I will come again and I will gather you. And we will be in the presence of the Father. The disciples on that day that he ascended up into heaven, they were all gawking up into the sky. And two men of bright apparel, two heavenly messengers were sent to them saying, don't just stand there staring up into the sky. This same Jesus who went from you will come again in like manner. So we have a reason to wait yet still. But here's the deal. Because Jesus has come, because he lived, because he Uh, did his work because he ministered, because he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he's been exalted to his throne. And today, he sits on his throne. You and I, we wait. But we can wait as servants of the king. We want to consider that as we read the birth narrative this morning. I'm going to be in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter number two. Brother Will, I have it up on the screen. If you would like to uh, follow along with me, that would be awesome. I will try to make it easy for you to do so. If I mess up, you just say, hey, buddy, you're messing up. All right. And I'll cry in front of everybody and it will be awkward. (laughs) 
You hurt my feelings. <clears throat> Last night, we set the scene for what we're about to read. Uh, beginning in Matthew's gospel, uh, it says the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that uh, while Mary, who was a spouse to Joseph, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Matthew doesn't uh, enumerate on that happening, so we turn to Luke's gospel and we found where the angel Gabriel went and told Mary, hey, highly favored one, uh, you're going to have a baby. How's this going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen with another human being. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the son that you conceive will be the one who sits on David's throne. Wow. Heavy. As we said last night, that was an outrageous, audacious claim. And yet, this, this little girl from nowhere, Nazareth, surrendered to the Lord's word, trusted in the Lord's word. Then we turn to Joseph. Joseph himself uh, found out that his soon-to-be bride was with, with child. And Joseph knew, hey, I wasn't part of that. He went to sleep one night as he had been in agony over what he should do about this. And he had finally settled himself on the fact that he would go ahead and, and, and break off the engagement, leave the marriage, divorce her, actually give her a writ of divorcement. But he wouldn't make a big deal about it. He wasn't going to bring her into public shame. And he went to bed one night having settled that in his mind and his heart. Probably not peacefully settled it in his mind and his heart. Could you imagine, men? And the angel came to him, and the angel said, Hey, don't worry. That child that, uh, that is in Mary is actually, it's the child of God. It's the whole son of the Holy Ghost, and his name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to save this world from their sins. Another outrageous, audacious claim. And Joseph, he surrendered to the Lord's word, and he trusted in this word. And so, we pick up the story from there. What happens next? Well, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why did he go there? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. You know who David is, right? This is David, the one who slew Goliath. This is David who uh, ran as a fugitive from King Saul who wanted to kill him for probably about 10 years. Uh, this is David who almost, almost went and fought with the Philistines against Israel. This is David who uh, reigned over Hebron uh, for seven years and then reigned over the United Nation of Israel, the United Tribes of Israel. For 33 years. Uh, this is David who we know in scripture as a man after God's own heart. He is the archetype of a good king. And that doesn't mean he did everything right. 
but he knew how to ask for forgiveness when he did them wrong. He took accountability and owned up to it. David was the one who God made a promise with that said that I will establish your throne, your dynasty, and every generation there will be a king from the house of David that sits on the throne in Jerusalem. Well, Israel went into exile. They have no legitimate king, but the promise still stands. Uh, the word came through the prophet that said, uh, the, 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 the tribe of Jesse has been cut down. It's like a tree that's been cut down, but there's going to be this little sapling out of the tribe of Judah. One who's going to come and rise up and sit on the throne of David. It's important that we know this is why Luke gives this detail. He was after the house and lineage of David. He went to Bethlehem to be taxed and he went with Mary, his espoused wife. And at that time, she was great with child. Ladies who've had children, do you remember being great with child? Or did you, uh, did you forget it and that's why you were able to have more children, right? I think that's what happens. I think there's some like, uh, memory loss that happens, some necessary memory loss that happens, uh, or otherwise there wouldn't be any. And guys, I always want to say this and remind us, uh, we're glad that uh, they are so much stronger than we are, aren't we? Because it would have stopped, uh, it would have stopped well before it got to you and I. Because I wouldn't have endured the pain once, let alone twice, three times, or ten times, or twelve times. She was really, really pregnant, y'all. Imagine her. Imagine a really, really pregnant lady walking, traveling. Is she walking with a cool stride or is she waddling? Is she walking with great ease and contentment or is she struggling? And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We don't have any idea that there was some old curmudgeon hotel manager who said, get out of here, we don't have any room for you. Uh, we should also understand this, that historically, uh, that while there might have been communal stables, there was also uh, their homes were set up to where the lower part of their home was not only a common area, but at night it would be an area where they brought the animals in. And it would be in that lower level of the house, not the upper room or the inn. That word inn translated here as inn is also translated as upper room when Jesus and his disciples have their last supper together at the end of Luke. Uh, so they were in uh, a lower room of a home. There was no space provided for them. Now we need to think about that for a second. Why would they not provide space for this pregnant woman? Why wouldn't somebody say, here, you take my spot? It gives us a little bit of a hint and intuition that the family was ashamed because they didn't buy the story that the Holy Ghost came upon her. They didn't buy the story that Joseph 
stayed pure. You can have the baby and we'll let you in. But it's not going to be comfortable because we don't want the community to think that we support this kind of behavior. Hmm. How often do we feel tempted with such actions? We can't be like the father who runs out to greet his son despite the shame, the embarrassment of the community. The prodigal father who goes out to greet his son who wasted all of his inheritance. We can't be like that. We can't welcome people who are not like us because we don't want people to think that we're, 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 we affirm them. That's a key word, right? They need to know where we stand about this stuff. If we can remember that Mary and Joseph likely were left in the lower chambers because nobody offered them the good space in the house because they probably wanted the community to know, hey, we, we love them, but we don't condone them. Then maybe you and I who have sympathy for Mary and Joseph could find ourselves not feeling the pressure of the community anymore. but rather the love of God, the pure, tender love of God that would say, come in here, take my spot. The community can care what they want to care. Maybe we could be like the father who ran out, undignified himself. Y'all know the story in the prodigal? He would have had to hike up his, his robe, this dignified man of means. And in those days, men didn't run. A lot of you men can't run, but um, they wouldn't run. They would walk, and you would be known by your walk. And they had long robes. And so there's only, like when they say gird your loins in Scripture, what that literally means is that you would take your robe, take the back of your robe, and put it and tuck it in so that it would kind of make like pants. It would look like MC Hammer pants, but they would kind of look like pants, right? And it would be like this, you know. Now, um, but... <laughs> But they would have to do that. And if you didn't have time to do that, you would look like a lady who we could think from the Victorian area who had to hike up her dress and run. Could you imagine the father running through the community like that? What this story tells us is nobody, nobody ran through the community for Mary and Joseph because they were ashamed. And Mary and Joseph needed to be ashamed too. They didn't understand who Mary was carrying. They didn't trust the word. And so we get the idea here also that nobody's celebrating this baby. It doesn't say that, but Y'all had babies. Y'all had families. You've been celebratory of others who have had babies. It seems like God needed some people to come and celebrate. So after she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Man, where is the wet nurse? 
she laid him in the manger. It's a feeding trough for animals. Well, while she was doing this, not far down the road in the same countryside, there were shepherds abiding in a field. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds, not the cute little kids that come in with their robes and their staff. Shepherds, think about a cowboy who's been out on the range for months on end, hasn't had a proper bath. Mm, that pungent aroma. We do not need to, we do not need to uh, think shepherds dignified. We need to think shepherds undignified. It's good to be the one who owns the sheep. It's not good to be the one who tends the sheep. There was these shepherds. Uh, let's just say this. We know that there were shepherds that the angels go to. Who do they not go to? They don't go to the Pharisees we meet. They don't go to the Sanhedrin. They don't go to the noble class. The Hasmonean family was still around then. They don't go to Herod. They go to shepherds, lowly shepherds. And lo, or behold, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. All of a sudden, they see something in the night sky, and they can't explain it, and they are afraid. Thank you, I would be too. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Here's the deal, guys. I'm bringing you some good news. I bring you good tidings. That is actually euangelion. That's the good news. And it has great joy. This great good news and great joy uh, shall be to all people. And then he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Do y'all remember what we read a few minutes ago corporately? For unto us is given a child. The angel is reminding them about Isaiah chapter number 9. Unto you this day in the city of David is born a savior, a liberator, a rescuer, a conquering military might, which is Christ, the Messiah, the ruling one. And just so you don't think that I'm blowing smoke, guys, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then this one angel uh, turned into a heavenly host of angels. And there was a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they began to praise God. And they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Have you ever been so excited about some good news that you thought, man, I just want everybody to experience the good news that I'm experiencing, the goodness that I'm experiencing. And you feel like this is such good news that everybody would celebrate with me. That's what the angels say here. So Jesus was born in an out-of-the-way town, little old Bethlehem. Uh, he was not born with much dignity. 
Uh, these are all things that should inform us about the God that we serve. How he is willing to humble himself. Uh, you know, uh, Sethi, could you come here for a second? Come here, Sethi. No, just Sethi. I know. He always gets all the special attention, all the special favor. He's a little bit bigger than an infant. But we sing, oh, come, let us adore him. And this is how I adored my baby son whenever uh, he was first born. I adore you, son. No, this is how I adored my son whenever he was first born. Oh, oh I adore you. Could you imagine the shepherds coming in? And Mary goes, you want to hold him? Oh, they got to hold him. Stinky, smelly old shepherds. They got to look at him. Mm-hmm. They got to rub their face up against his. Look at this precious. This is adoring the Savior. This is our God humbles himself so that he could be handled like this. Who could imagine a God like that? We don't make this up. Right? This is something that has to be revealed to us. Hey, I adore you, buddy. Go. Take a bow. You going to take a bow? No, okay. I know you do, buddy. Put that right now, okay? Don't do that. What else? Um, here's the deal. All these ones who were waiting that we've met over the last few weeks, even the shepherds, they're waiting, they're expecting this promise to be fulfilled. But they are all in the place of what Mary said uh, in the Magnificat, or no, before the Magnificat, when Gabriel revealed to Mary, you're going to be the one who, who does this. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, behold, the servant girl of the Lord. Everybody in the story is given a word and they're given a promise. They're all given signs too. This is how this is going to happen. These are things that we could all pay attention to because we've received these things as well. And then they are in the place to surrender as servants and wait as surrendered servants. Or they're in the place to reject all this. We see even the shepherds there. They see this amazing thing, and it says, this shall be a sign unto you. It's like an implication. If you want to find out if this is true, you're going to go into Bethlehem, and you're going to look for the babe who was born tonight, who is wrapped in swaddling clothes. They have a choice to make. Are they going to act as servants and go find out if this is true, or are they going to say, no? Here's what I would say to you. You might not trust Jesus right now. You might not believe in God. You might not uh, believe that the Holy Spirit is an active agent in this world right now. I would only ask you not to be so proud as to not pursue whether or not what these claims in the Bible, these outrageous, audacious claims, don't be so arrogant that you don't at least find out, at least begin to seek if they're true. For the rest of us, we are waiting, but here's the deal. Whenever I say servants of the king, what I want you all to think about is David said that he was the servant of the Lord. 
So whenever we think servants of the king, don't think whipping boys. Abused women and abused men who the king, because if you think that way, then you have no idea who our king is. Our king is the one who said, pick me up and handle me like a baby. Our king is the one who said, spit on me and pluck out my beard and place a crown of thorns in my head. Our king is the one who said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our king is the one who gives us who do not deserve honor, honor. Who gives us who do not deserve favor, favor. Our king is the one who says, for my servants, I treat them like children. In fact, you're no longer just going to be my servants. You're going to be my adopted heirs. So whenever I say, we wait, but yes, but yet, or yes, we wait, yes, but we wait like servants of the kingdom. Understand how greatly servants are treated in his kingdom. And then I would say this, let's obey him. If he's our liberating king, let's obey him. Well, all the things that he says to do. You know, Jesus made it really simple for us. Love God with all your heart. With all your strength, with all your mind, all your energy. Love God. With all your emotion and affection, love God. Actively love God. Love God. Well, relate to God each and every day. Worship Him. Cry out to Him. And then love other people. And Jesus told us, don't just love the lovely ones, love the ones who are unlike you. And really, the sign, the test, is not if you love your mom because your mom has really done some good things for you today. But the sign and the test is, do you love your mom whenever she says you're grounded? And not, I'm not just talking about, well, I really have love. Do you act in a loving way towards her? Do you love your spouse in sickness and in health? When she is praising you and celebrating you, and whenever she is going, why'd you park here? Because that's what we all signed up for. Why'd you park here? Do you love him whenever he's thoughtful of you and he's caring of you, or whenever he comes in and he's a doofus and he missed everything? He didn't know how important it would be to you. Do you love those others? And we talk about this every week. Those others who have different values, different sexual orientation, uh, uh, different political ideologies, uh, and different race. Uh, different. <laughs> Here's the hard one for a lot of people. Everybody on the left can say, well, you need to love all the people with different sexual orientation. Okay, okay. Can we love the, the white supremacist? Wow. Well, no, they don't deserve to be loved. No, they're, they're twisted and they are confused and they need rescue. But their rescue isn't going to come from my condemnation any more than my rescue is going to come from your condemnation. 
Their rescue is going to come from my love. Wow. So my brothers and my sisters, what I invite us to do this, this Christmas day, uh, this Christmas season, and on into this new year. While we are waiting, let's wait like servants of the kingdom. And with that I say, amen. 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 You'll join me in a word of prayer. Lord, I love you.